Welcome to Backlog Books. My name is Kara. This is the podcast where I recap and discuss what I have been reading lately. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. I think it has been over a year since I have spent any time in a bookstore. I've ordered books online, of course, but that's not the same as spending hours browsing shelves and picking out books to take home. This last week, however, I got to go through my brother's books and pick out some interesting ones, which was almost as good as going to a bookstore. Of course, now I have 20-something new books to add to my to-be-read shelf, but that is a problem for future Kara. Let's get started. This time we are talking about The Lightning Thief by Rick Reardon. This book was published in 2005. My copy has 375 pages and I read it in March of 2021. I actually found my copy in a little free library. If you've never heard of those, there's a link explaining them in the show notes. They're exactly what they sound like. People can set up a little library outside their house and you can take books or leave books. Once this episode is out, I plan to return The Lightning Thief to a different free library. There are like three in my neighborhood. Our author, Rick Reardon, was born in 1964. He has written several series based on different mythologies. In 2011, he won Author of the Year from the Children's Choice Book Awards. Here is the summary of The Lightning Thief. Percy Jackson is about to be kicked out of boarding school again, and that's the least of his troubles. Lately, mythological monsters and the gods of Mount Olympus seem to be walking straight out of the pages of Percy's Greek mythology textbook and into his life. And worse, he has angered a few of them. Zeus's master lightning bolt has been stolen, and Percy is the prime suspect. Now Percy and his friends have just ten days to find and return Zeus's stolen property and bring peace to a warring Mount Olympus. But to succeed on his quest, Percy will have to do more than catch the true thief. He must come to terms with the father who abandoned him, solve the riddle of the oracle which warns him of betrayal by a friend, and unravel a treachery more powerful than the gods themselves. Now, were you a Greek mythology kid or an Egyptian mythology kid? Maybe for you it was all about Norse gods, Grimm's fairy tales, or legends of the fair folk. Or maybe you were like me and never committed to any particular pantheon of stories, not enough to claim one as a childhood obsession. Myths are some of the oldest stories we have, and reimagining and rewriting them is a whole genre of literature, and I love it. I talked about this a little bit when I was talking about East by Edith Patu. There's just something about taking a story that has been around for thousands of years and imagining how it would work in the times that we are in now. 
Reardon writes an entirely enjoyable journey through reimagining Greek gods as they might exist in the modern era. It is very sanitized and also very centered on the United States, but it is a kid's series, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. Our story begins with Percy Jackson, a dyslexic 12-year-old with ADHD who is expecting to be kicked out of his most recent boarding school any day now. Percy struggles with taking tests and studying, and he has a habit of speaking before he thinks, which gets him in a lot of trouble. He loves his mom and hates his smelly stepdad, and for most of his life he has no idea that he is anything other than a completely normal kid. At a field trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, Percy's teacher, Mrs. Dodds, transforms into a hideous winged creature and tries to kill him. That's certainly not how Percy was expecting this field trip to go. He only survives thanks to the intervention of another teacher who throws him a sword. To his surprise, Percy finds himself capable of wielding a sword, and Mrs. Dodds the monster explodes in a shower of golden sparks. Afterwards, Percy tries to talk to his best friend Grover and his teacher about the sword and Mrs. Dodds the monster, only for them to act like nothing happened. At the end of the school year, Percy goes home totally dejected. He's been expelled again, and now he thinks he's going crazy. The bright sign for Percy of going home is he gets to hang out with his mom. They are very close, and the two of them love to spend time together. They set out for their usual after-school vacation spot, a cabin by the ocean. But on the way, they are attacked by another monster, a minotaur this time. Percy's mom tells him to run. There's a safe place not too far away. Percy runs but not before he sees his mother apparently killed by the Minotaur. She disappears in a flash of golden light. The safe place Percy's mom told him about turns out to be Camp Half-Blood, a summer camp for the half-mortal children of the gods of Olympus. There, Percy finds out his best friend Grover is a satyr, tasked with bringing demigods safely to the camp. The longer demigods are out in the world, the more monsters will be drawn to them. Camp Half-Blood is one of the only safe, protected places for demigods. Percy also finds out that Mount Olympus is now situated over the Empire State Building, the underworld is in Hollywood... You can kind of see what I mean about it being very centered on the United States. All of this is new to Percy. He knows plenty about myths, but he had no idea that he was one. He settles uneasily into life at the camp and finds out also that his dyslexia and ADHD are just part of being a demigod. He's able to read ancient Greek, and his ADHD is like a manifestation of battle awareness, which is part of why he was able to fight the monster at the museum earlier. 
And I think the story behind this is neat. One of Reardon's children has ADHD and dyslexia, so Reardon gave Percy those traits so his kid could see someone like themselves in fiction. There's so much we can experience through reading before we ever encounter it in real life. And I think that's important, especially when we give kids books where the main character is different from them. It helps build understanding of other people. And beyond that, it's so powerful for kids to see themselves in fiction too, especially when they don't usually get that kind of representation. So Camp Half-Blood isn't the end of the journey for Percy. He finds out his father is Poseidon, which is a huge deal. Not only because his father is one of the big three, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, who are considered to be the most powerful gods of the Pantheon, but also because those three all took a vow not to father any more half-mortal children. Percy's existence means that Poseidon broke his vow, which is a very bad thing for a god to do. While Percy finds some community at camp, there is a current of anger in all of these children. Many of them don't know who their godparent is. Every single one of them is in danger if they go out into the world. Monsters are drawn to demigod children seeking to kill them. The entire point of Camp Half-Blood is to provide a safe space and to teach them how to fight. They're going to be at war their whole lives just because of one parent. A parent who might not even acknowledge them. And besides the tension between these kids and their, their parents, there's tension between the kids themselves based on who their parent is. Percy meets Annabeth, a daughter of Athena, who immediately tells him that they shouldn't get along because Poseidon and Athena are enemies. Percy isn't convinced, though. Why should some guy who has been absent his whole life have any say in what he does? Percy is more concerned about what happened to his mother. Unfortunately, his father is Poseidon, and Percy is immediately under suspicion. Someone has stolen Zeus's master lightning bolt, and everyone thinks Poseidon told Percy to steal it. This is a big surprise to Percy, who didn't even know the gods were real until a few days ago. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover are sent on a quest to return the master bolt to Zeus. They have ten days to do this, or there will be a war between the gods. Percy agrees to go on this quest, partly to clear his name, and partly because their quest will take them to the underworld, and Percy wants to get his mom back. They start in New York and are chased all the way across the United States by monsters from mythology. Harpies attack them on a bus, a chimera attacks them on a roof, Medusa nearly adds them to her rock garden, and it's not just mythical peril they are in. Percy's smelly stepdad has started a manhunt for him, furious that Percy and his mom disappeared. 
along the way, Percy starts to have dreams about the real thief. In his dreams, he sees the thief standing at the edge of a precipice, falling away into an abyss, and something in the darkness of the abyss giving the thief their instructions. Something that seeks to turn the gods against each other. Something that is older than the gods and angry. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover have to hide from police and monsters, and they keep losing their money and supplies. They encounter Ares, the god of war, who offers them help in exchange for them completing a side quest for him. They agree. They don't really have a choice. One does not refuse a quest from a god. They nearly die retrieving Ares' shield from a water park, saved only by Percy's power to control water, a power he has only because his father is Poseidon. Ares sets them on their way, setting them up with a ride and giving Percy a backpack with supplies. Percy nearly refuses the gift. He's so angry that Ares sent them on this quest that was so dangerous without giving them any warning. But Annabeth and Grover both warn him not to refuse a god's gift. When they get to California, but before they make it into the underworld, Percy receives another gift this time from his father, delivered by a Nereid, a spirit of the sea. The gift is three pearls that will help them out of any situation. Percy still isn't sure what he thinks of Poseidon, but mindful of what Annabeth and Grover told him about gifts from the gods, he accepts the pearls anyway. They sneak into the underworld, and these three kids confront Hades and ask him to please return the Master Bolt and prevent a war. Hades, much like Percy, is very surprised to learn they think he stole the Master Bolt. Well, who has it then? Percy starts to put together what he's been seeing in his dreams and what he's learned about the gods and figures out that the Mastermind is someone else. Someone who hates all the gods and has a vested interest in war. It's the last day before the deadline set by the gods. They have to escape from the underworld before war begins. Hades reveals that he has Percy's mom. She's still alive, merely trapped in the underworld, and Percy can save her if one of the others stays behind. This was Percy's original purpose, part of why he came out on this quest to begin with, saving his mom, and now he can. She's right in front of him. Grover and Annabeth both offer to stay behind so Percy can save his mom and still prevent the war. Percy, instead of sacrificing one of his friends, chooses to save them, and himself. The three kids used pearls from Poseidon to escape. Percy knows his mom would be furious if he sacrificed himself or a friend to save her. 
he vows to figure out a way to get her back soon. Can I just say how much I like this? Not only because Percy is 12 and absolutely should not be sacrificing anyone to save an adult, but also because this is an excellent example of how close Percy and his mom are, how good their relationship is. He knows without asking how she would react to him sacrificing a friend or risking a war just to save her. Ares is waiting for them on the other side after they get out of the underworld, and he is furious that they escaped. Ares had stashed the master bolt in the backpack he gave to Percy, expecting that they'd be taken prisoner by Hades, and the war would start over Poseidon's son bringing Zeus's bolt to Hades. It's twisty. At first, you're like, oh yeah, the god of war wanted a war to start. That makes sense. But Ares isn't the thief, and he's not the mastermind from Percy's dreams. He's a pawn being moved by a shadowy, unknown force. Percy and Ares have a showdown on the beach. Percy is 12. He cannot defeat the god of war. But he is by the ocean, and his father is Poseidon. He is able to hold Ares off until a strange force intervenes. Ares leaves, cursing Percy and declaring him an enemy. Ares may not be the smartest god in the pantheon, but he's not one whose bad side I would want to get on. Annabeth, Grover, and Percy have just enough time to fly back to New York and Mount Olympus to deliver the bolt back to Zeus. Percy tries to warn Zeus that something more is going on, that it wasn't just Ares making trouble, but Zeus won't hear it. He doesn't care. He takes his bolt and leaves, and now it's just Percy and Poseidon. After all he's been through, Percy still isn't sure what to think of his father. Poseidon did help on the quest, but he also abandoned Percy and Percy's mom. One or two helpful moments don't really make up for twelve years of abandonment. They talk, and at the end, they are not on friendly terms, necessarily, but they are at least talking. There's a start of a relationship growing there. At the end, Percy's mom is returned from the underworld as thanks from Hades for finding the true thief. Percy is faced with a choice. He can stay in safety at Camp Half-Blood all year, or he can stay just for the summer and then go live with his mom the rest of the year. Even with the danger to Percy... It's worth it to be with his mom. I will leave it for you to discover who the thief and the mastermind are. My final word on The Lightning Thief. I enjoyed it. It has a lot to say about parents and heroes. And I do love Percy as a main character. He is so unimpressed with the gods who are all very full of themselves. If you want more media like this, I don't know about kids' books based on myths, 
but I do really enjoy the Protector of the Small series by Tamora Pierce. For adult fantasy like this, I would recommend American Gods by Neil Gaiman. And that's a wrap. Join me next time to hear about Sabriel by Garth Nix. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could rate or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast. Comments, questions, you can email me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. The music is by Joseph McDade, and you can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.